Full send. And welcome, folks, to episode number two of the Lotcast from the Trinity Road Times. I am Trey Lauer, and always, as always, I should say, with us, our panel of Alec Lauer and Isad Malik. And our special guest today is the creator of On the Prowl, an NC State newsletter. Started around the same time as ours, so kind of fun to see uh, both of us kind of get going here. But Jackson Williford is our guest today. Thanks for being here, man. Glad to be here and super excited to to be guest number two. It's a, it's an honor. So really excited for it. Yeah, we appreciate you uh, appreciate you joining us. So let's just get right to it. Obviously, uh, you know it's middle of the week when we're recording this, and, and obviously NC State did not beat Notre Dame. Uh, we'll just we'll just go with that. But uh, let's just kind of get right into your thoughts uh, on the game, first and foremost. And let's just go from my vantage point, left to right, with Assad. You can start off here and just uh, kind of give us your initial thoughts on uh, the Notre Dame game. Um, uh, trash? I, I don't know. It was it was good. It was good for like three quarters. It's good and trash. Then, and then it, then it was trash. So I, I would say they played the number 10 team in the country really well for three quarters of the game and uh, then the bottom fell out of the game. So overall, I think that they hung with them in the way that many Dave Doran teams tend to hang with Clemson when Clemson has been at at their peak for the majority of those games. They very rarely would get blown out by very good teams. So, you know, they they got up emotionally for it and and hung with them as, as long as they could. And I will get into the details of exactly what happened and to make it all go wrong but you know i think they did about as well as you could expect for for where the pieces are right now on this team yeah i think this is a game that it's one of those games that the statistics will not be telling the whole story of um i think if you just look at the stats and and of course the score was a 21 point deficit that was 28 at one point in the fourth quarter it doesn't look as close as it was uh this was a game that was seven points with two minutes to go in the third quarter, and State had the ball in the red zone. Um, and then they got the ball back after they missed the field goal. Uh, but there's just too many mistakes, you know. I, I think, you know, if you if you fix that, you know, if you take away you know, the, the self-inflicted errors, this, this becomes a game that gets decided in the final minute, most likely. It goes down to the wire because when you look at the actual matchups, right, State was very competitive with Notre Dame. Right, the the, uh, the most impressive part for me was was how ineffective Notre Dame's offensive line was. That's one of the best units in the country, right? And State got pretty good pass rush. They had four sacks. Um, you know, Audric Estime is a great example of, of what we were saying about the stats. Is he had 134 yards in the game, which looks good, but 80 of those were on one carry. He had six rushes of two yards or less. Right, State was right in there, but you know, you blow a gap assignment, right? You know, you turn a guy loose down the sideline with a minute to go in the first half. You drop four passes, you know, eventually, like Assad said, the bomb's going to fall out of that game. And, you know, you, you give them two short fields, you know, right at the start of the fourth quarter, down by seven points, and, you know, you're gonna, it's, it's going to come apart for you if you just keep making those mistakes. And it was just way too many of those. It was just it was an undisciplined game from a team that I think is good. I don't know about y'all, but for me, that was one of the weirdest game day experiences I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, like, we get out to the parking lot to, to hang out and set up and tailgate, and it's 8.30, immediately thunder and lightning. And you're like, okay, this is going to be a day. Like, this yeah. is going to be interesting. Um, it, y'all hit the nail on the head there with the missed opportunities. I thought the timing of them 
really just emphasized how brutal they were. It felt like every time State you know, had a, a window of hope to get back into the game, you know, one of those explosives happened, right? And I was breaking down some of the, the numbers on, you know, Notre Dame's explosives. And six of their plays accounted for 60% of their offensive production and resulted in three touchdowns. Like, you That'll can't – yeah, that, that's, that's a pretty good That'll equation to score more points than your opponent. Uh, you, you can't rip those out and say, well, if this doesn't happen, then it's a close game because it did happen. Um, but that, to me, um, compounded with the timing of when those plays happened and the mistakes stacking up, um, I think made it you know, really tough to watch. But at the same time, there are a lot of a, a lot of positives that you can take out of this game, in my opinion. Maybe not a lot, but there are positives that you can take out of this opinion if it's you know past catchers developing and seeing real separation from the freshmen, if it's the defensive line showing up like the special unit like we thought we were going to get when Tony Gibson hyped them up the last week of the preseason. Um, and I thought there were you know there were some missed throws by Brennan, but there were also some really good throws that. You know, because of the all 22 or because of the, the lack of, of, of camera views from ESPN or whatever, it, it doesn't look like a, you know, a great throw from him. So really depends on how you want to what you want to take out of this game. If you're a positive person, you're probably going to cling to those positives. And if you think the season's over after two games, well, then I can't really help you. So. <laughs> One thing that I take away from this and, uh, you know, you look at our schedule and, and, and some people may not agree with this, but I think that's the toughest game on NC State schedule the whole season. Yeah. It is because we get all the, we get all of our tough games at home. Clemson's already got a loss. Miami could be a tough one. Louisville could be a tough one. But I, I look at I look at that and I said, you know, we've already got our toughest game out of the way. It was a we were in the game into the third quarter. And I don't know how you guys felt being there, but uh, I didn't have the chance to be there. But I did catch it on on television and I've, I watched it back. But when you know we got the fumble and I was like, okay, this is a game now. And then and then Narvison misses the field goal. I could just feel the life gets sucked out of Carter family. Right. Yeah, you absolutely and, could. And, um, and and that to me was the reason, not the reason, but but kind of the start of the of the the end in that game for NC State. Yeah, and if you look at what happened after that, you know, that was that was Armstrong's worst throw of the game was his third interception. Was he just it was late and he forced it into a window that wasn't there and then that that touchdown Estime's touchdown run that finished off that drive was the single worst tackling effort I think I've seen in two years. The bottom fell out of the game at that point. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, Jackson, you made a good point. You know, you can't just get rid of the explosive plays. But what it does emphasize is that, you know, other than the breakdowns, you know, the 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 meat was there for the team in this game. So what cost them the game, what blew this thing up, is fixable, right? You know, gap missing gap assignments right, is a huge problem. You know, dropping balls. But those are things that you did. Those are things that are fixable. You know, it wasn't as if Notre Dame just ran the defensive line off the, you know, off the line. It wasn't as if they were knocking the linebackers around upfield and run blocking. It wasn't as if they had no separation down the field other than when our, our DBs got their eyes caught in the backfield on play action. That was the only thing they did all game that was consistently effective. So, no, I just it was it was like not a very disciplined game, and I think it uh, that was that's the big takeaway for me is the pieces are yeah. there they just have to execute better. Yeah, the concerning part about that is we said the exact same thing after the UConn game, where we said just tighten up, fill those gaps, you know, follow your assignments, don't let the big explosive plays happen, and then they happened again versus Notre Dame. So yeah. it's like. True. They held the line for the majority of the game, and then there was just those few mental lapses. And like sometimes at this level, that's all it takes. 
Yeah, I yeah. think it's a, I think it's a little bit of a minus, but it's also a little bit of a plus if you think about it in a positive way. But Peyton Wilson shouldn't be the one running down a wide open receiver in the middle of the field. Yeah. So there's there's definitely some things they've got to clean up. And eye discipline is a word that that we've been hearing a lot. And 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 this is a good week to to get that corrected. I would say. <laughs> yeah. When when I zoom out, and we can certainly drill into each maybe problem area that we saw on both sides of the ball if you want to do that um sure. but but one of the, the the big picture themes for me thinking about like 2023 versus 2022 is this thing is not baked right like last year we knew generally the personnel we had coming in we knew the system we knew the coordinator we knew the quarterback and this is especially relevant for the offense but the defense lost a lot of pieces this year too like these guys are still trying to figure out like the little habits of like how does a wide receiver break his route here Right. Mm -hmm. Or like, what is Brennan's tendency when he's faced with this situation? And when you're rotating in wide receiver after wide receiver after wide receiver, you know, you're not really having an opportunity to build that chemistry. It's obvious that state is still trying to find who their guys are at certain positions, namely wide receiver. Um, We're Mm -hmm. seeing it a little bit on defense. I I think with linebacker, with, uh, with Fordham getting a lot more run last week. So I, I definitely see a higher ceiling and a lower floor for this team. I think like you could see the ingredients come together and by the end of the year, you're like, man, this defense really put the clamps on the explosives and the offense was capable. I mean, that probably gets you to nine and three and four in the ACC. So mm-hmm. I think that's like the bigger picture theme for me and why I'm choosing to be a little bit more optimistic. But again, like it, we, we did have a pretty similar talk track after UConn <laughs> and that was UConn. So um, definitely could go either way on that. Yeah, and, and my I'll just go ahead and say my, my, my take that UConn was going to be undefeated playing Duke did not age very well. <laughs> no, it, um, didn't. it is It is hard when uh, your, your starting quarterback, I don't know if y'all saw that, Joe Fagnano got hurt and is out for the year. I think it was midway through oh, really? the first quarter. Um, so, yeah, that'll, uh, that'll, that'll throw a wrench in your, your – Yeah, game. I heard that it wasn't really public, but UConn got bit pretty hard by the injury bug in our game. And that also affected them a little bit at, at Georgia State. But we're not talking about UConn. We're talking about <laughs> NC State and, and Notre Dame. Um, I, one thing, you know, you mentioned, Jackson, and, and I'll, I'll agree with you on this, is I noticed that, uh, you know, such a young receiving core, such a veteran quarterback in Brendan Armstrong, feels like they're not quite there yet. I will say that I'm very excited about Juice Vereen. I'm very excited, like I mentioned after our UConn podcast about Concepcion, um, and I almost wonder if maybe State should ride those guys a little bit more. I know Keon Lassane had a great catch. Uh, Porter Rooks has had a couple drops. So um, if those guys can correct those and, and become a, a, an integral part of the offense, that's great. Um, but I, I like what I've seen from Vereen and, and Concepcion so far and, and want to see more of them in the rotation going forward. I think what you need at receiver is, first and foremost before anything else, and this is definitely true if you watched last year, is guys that separate. You know, we, we haven't had that for quite a while, actually, and it was okay when Emeka Mezzi was here because he didn't have to separate, you know. But that's not the kind of receiver that we have now, right, with our, you know, Keon the Saints playing on the outside at five foot eleven. We're smaller now. And I think what you get with a guy like Concepcion is, is he can separate. If you go back and you watch this game, right, his route running is the best on the team. It's the best on the whole team. And... I think, you know, like you mentioned, like Jackson mentioned, like this is this is not baked yet, right? We're still figuring out who's what, and, and you know, those receivers are still building chemistry with a quarterback that they've never played with before. You know, I, I think you want to see those guys out there because that's where the ceiling is. 
Yeah, 100%. Like, when I'm thinking about the wide receiver rotation, and like I said, two games in, I'm not a coach, right? Like, <laughs> I want to call that out first and foremost. Like, I want guys at that position who have elite traits. And mainly when we're thinking about pass catchers, it's like just raw speed, like an Anthony Smith who can get down the field and just run past guys. Short area quickness, somebody who's good at routes. So KC fits that mold and Juice fits that mold too, or size, right? So Bradley Rosner, Dakari Collins, both of those guys flashed with touchdowns on Saturday. That was encouraging to me. Like, that's what I'm looking for. And I think we've, at least as fans, you know, we're not in the practice you know, every day in and day out, but like we're seeing the guys that have differentiating traits, like they're performing, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we heard um, Dave say this week, like the great thing about Robert and I is that he's going to give guys opportunities when they demonstrate that they make the most of them. And so that's, again, I'm really pushing the positivity button pretty hard early on here. Um, yeah. But that to me is, is encouraging for those guys. Yeah, I, I was really high on Porter Rooks. He was a you know, you, sometimes you get latched on to certain guys when they're in their recruitment process. So he was a guy that I had my eye on for a long time, really hoping that he would commit. And since I, I liked a lot of the highlight reels that he had in high school and has just been waiting, you know, it's kind of tough for him to be stuck behind Thayer Thomas for the last few years. But He was like Thayer, first to commit in that class too, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he was on quite the high school team. I had, I had the chance to see him play in high school. Uh, we won't mention who his quarterback was, but uh, he was on a <laughs> – he was on a team with Moose Muhammad, uh, and, and and he were they were the two receivers. So that was a pretty, pretty good. That's an okay team. tandem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. So it's 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 unfortunate that you know it took him three years for him to really kind of get into a spot where he could really potentially shine, and then as soon as it happens, he isn't able to hang on to it literally. So um, you know, I, I think that he has all the skills in order to to do well here it's just when his number is called he he just he's just got to hang on to the ball better it's you know his route running was good you know there were just those few times where the ball just bounced right off of his hands and it's and i know that he's probably kicking himself about it too but you know i i'm i'm hoping he doesn't lose his spot on the rotation because of that because i I think that he has a chance to still do well yeah have we seen a depth chart for this week yet actually don't i think so i think we we I got it on Monday, it right? Come out, yeah. Oh, that's I think right, Yeah. Well, I guess yeah, the I next, you know, th- that's interesting because the next question that I had was about the defensive line rotation. Actually, um, I think having Savion Jackson back was huge. If he was missing, I think we'd be talking a little bit differently about the defensive line after this game. But looking at the the rotation, we got Jackson, we got Van, a guy like Red Hibbler. We talked about Travali Price last week. Um, what is it about this defensive line that, that made it so they held their own against one of the best O-lines in the, in the nation? It's a combination of how big they are and how athletic they are. So this is the crux of the three-three-five defense is being able to put guys on the defensive line that can be immovable objects, you know, but aren't just fat guys, you know. So the, the key, you have to recruit that position well, and that's the most yeah. well-recruited position on the roster. I think all six of the first six guys on that roster are four-star recruits on at least one of the of the services. You know, you look at a guy like Davin Van, he's 300 pounds, and, you know, that guy's going to be an NFL defensive end because he's so athletic at 300 pounds. And so you look at Savion Jackson, he did make a big difference because Savion Jackson is much harder to move in the run game than Trevally Price. Trevally Price is actually a little bit on the small side for what State typically wants, which is why... You usually see him in third down packages as more of a pass rusher guy. Uh, Jackson is is a big dude, 
And Jackson is, is an edge setter, and he's very, very, very hard to move. And he makes a big difference in the run game. And, uh, yeah, I think you're exactly right that it helps to have him back. And also a shout-out, Brandon Cleveland. Yes, yes. Okay. He, um, I think he was on Pro Football Focus's college team, like all college team of the week. Like he was one of the highest-rated defensive linemen of the week in all of college football. Yeah, that's People. awesome. Yeah, I know uh, you guys were there, so you didn't catch this live, but, you know, you, you watched the game back. Davin Van has really taken a leadership role with this team, too. Um, I will never forget Molly McGrath's report. She said that, that Davin Van went into the huddle and she basically said, look, if you don't, that Davin Van said that if you don't want to be here, leave. Plain and simple. <laughs> If Molly McGrath said that, I would I would be like, <laughs> I have no, some questions no. about that. That man most definitely said that, but but like it seems like he and Peyton Wilson have kind of become the leaders of this defense. Um, Peyton Wilson, obviously, a guy that's been around this program forever, um, and and again, well, you know, we mentioned that he shouldn't be the guy running down a Notre Dame receiver, but also how impressive was that for him to run down a Notre Dame receiver like that? Yeah, I was I was I, I was curious to get y'all's take on the Davin Van comment, and then if y'all heard what Peyton said after the game, I think it was something to the effect of, like, if you go back and watch the film, there's probably not a lot of plays where all 11 guys are rallying to the ball and doing their jobs. Like, how much do y'all read into that? Yeah, I mean, it's he's clearly frustrated by, you know, the exactly what we're talking about, like one person here and there missing an assignment, you know, kind of looking at you, Devon Betty, or, you know, some of the other guys in the secondary that are, are just uh, – not putting in exactly the amount of effort that he would expect. You know, it's it's tough because I, I love Peyton Wilson. Everything he's brought to the program has been great. He's really set the tone. But he's also not Drake Thomas, you know, in terms of his, his, his mental awareness of what's happening. So it, it's great that he's kind of setting the tone as the senior leader on the team. But there are times where I think he himself gets caught up in the moment and it over-pursues on a play, leaving a gap elsewhere. So, you know, I, I think that I hope that people on the team take out from that the, the important thing and, and, and bring more energy with the next game. Well, it seems like they're pissed off because there was a lot of comments like that. And Dave said the same thing in the post game is my hope is that they realize how how good they could be and how close that they that, that this game could have been, you know, because uh, because like, like we we're saying at the beginning of this podcast and i just been beating this all week is it was there um so it's clearly like you know if you can cut out the little mistakes and you look at the big touchdown run and you know the gap really there was missed you know by a veteran player on the right side you know and and you know you get an all pro left or gonna be an all acc or all acc all american uh, left tackle just knocking your linebacker out of the way but someone has to be there you know and the flow from the right side there is slow like that's eye discipline right or you look at, like, you know, like we said at the beginning, Notre Dame's only really effective element of their offense was play action with the tight ends. I think uh, I think Sam Hartman completed one pass to an outside receiver the whole game. The only thing they did was was leak tight ends, like, the whole second half, and the, it literally the worked part every of time. That, is, that has been a weakness of the Tony Gibson defense for a while now. Like, Miami has killed NC State on that a few times, and there's any team that has, like, a big – target at tight end seems to have a good game against this defense mm-hmm. yep the unc game last year copenhaver same thing yeah i think i mean it's a it's an aggressive defense and so you know you're gonna live with some of that i do think but that just can't happen uh because it, it literally happened seven and it was a big play every time mm-hmm. uh, i think 
I think they was it it was either two or three touchdown passes that happened on on that exact concept. Um, so you know I think that's might be what you see Peyton Wilson getting upset about is is you see guys over pursuing on, on things yeah. like that. And if I'm Tony Gibson, I'm writing on the bulletin board in the locker room this week just two words, three plays, because Notre Dame did that three times. Yeah, they had three three play scoring drives. Yeah, so I'm yeah. writing that and I'm telling them you know we're not letting that happen again. It's tough because, like, we're sitting here saying, like, these are very correctable mistakes. But if you start to see them against UConn, against Notre Dame, hopefully you don't see them against VMI. We'll have a very different conversation next week. That's <laughs> but then you go, then you open up ACC play on the road at Virginia. Like, yes, I know what Virginia looks like this year. I know what they've got going on talent-wise. That is a losable game if you yeah. play this way, right? Sure. Like, yeah, that'll, and I'm actually interested in that game because – that's a Brennan Armstrong homecoming, so I imagine he's going to want to ball out in that game. So that's that's that'll be interesting for sure. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Go back; you can continue. <laughs> no, that was that's that that's going to be a really fun game to watch. I, I I just trying to strike the balance between like okay, these are correctable mistakes. It's great that it's on film. There's a lot of good film from this game. Like for everybody involved, there's really good things that happen. There's great throws. There's great connections. There's great run fits, and there's the polar opposite, right? So this is probably a coach's dream of like, hey, we can pull out you know eight of these and eight of those and go to town on those. Like that, this is a great setup for them. But um, you know, going back to the earlier comment that I made around you know the ceiling's high and the floor is low, like this is where you got to start trending up. I think mm-hmm. if you want to yeah. hit or get close to that ceiling. Yeah. How did you guys feel about? Armstrong's performance in this game. I think he's got to run less. I, I, I tweeted in the middle of the game. I said he's going to end up with forty-five carries for forty-five yards, because <laughs> because he was he was running that way and wasn't gaining a lot of yardage. He had one play that that one scramble he had. I think I counted it lasted nineteen seconds. Yeah, it did. Cause <laughs> I, I was I recorded the clip for the post on the site, and it just kept going and going and going. Yeah. He should not be our leading rusher through the first two weeks of the season. And, and again, that that's a whole different discussion. You know, where's Michael Allen been in these first two weeks? But, you know, I, I think he's trying too hard. I'll just say that. You know, if he had a guy like Thayer Thomas, we may be having a different story. But Thayer Thomas is obviously not here. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it's similar to what happened in the UConn game where he – was looking at the first few options and then just tucking and running it, um, which is a common trait of a running quarterback. That's kind of the mo with with you know traditional running quarterbacks that know that they can run, so they have that in the back of their mind. That's in their back pocket. That if this breaks down, I can just take off and I can beat this guy with my legs. So um, you would think that a guy that's so far into his career, literally like his this is his last year in college that by this point he would understand to use his legs a little bit smarter in order to make another play happen. So the the one touchdown pass he had in the red zone where he scrambled out of the pocket but then moved laterally along the line of scrimmage in order to get the touchdown, uh, I think it was to Rosner, like that that's the kind of play that he needs to it's make. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's clear and – Man, it'd be great if I listened to this in a month and I'm like, well, I was dead wrong on that. I think it's clear that we're probably not getting the production from 2021. Yeah. Like, probably fair to say. But I, I don't see a quarterback that I think closely resembles last year, the version that he had last year either. Um, it, 
it, it, a lot of good and a lot of bad on, on the film, but I, I thought, like, I first drive of the game, I think for State, was third and ten, and he scrambles way too early, gets out of the pocket, runs to the boundary where there's no room, and has to throw it away. And I thought from there on, he did make a concerted effort to get in the pocket, stay offensive line, protected a lot better this week than we saw at UConn, in my opinion, mm-hmm. against a better defensive line. So that was mm-hmm. that was good. Um, and I, I thought he gave his guys a, a lot of opportunities to make game-altering plays, right? Like we saw a bunch of drops at critical moments, the drop that turned into a pick that effectively you know, broke state, I think, for the rest yeah. of the game. Yeah. Um, it, like, I don't – you're not going to see an ACC elite quarterback – but I, I think he generally knows what to do and when to do it. If, if we can cut down on some of the uh, the bailing out of the pocket a little too early, I think there's still hope. But, man, sometimes he's just missing and missing bad. <laughs> and you yeah. just got to hope that the safety isn't roaming in the back, just like creeping up ready to go because it, it could – it could be bad. Yeah. yeah, I think one thing I remember from, from his days at Virginia was that he, he wasn't like the Ryan Finleys and the Devin Learys and that he did throw more interceptions. Yeah. And I knew that was going to be something coming in, but we got to get more touchdowns out of him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, my thing with – so you're, you're right. He's a little a little bit more reckless with the football than Devin Leary ever was, which to me is I – don't, I don't know if that's necessarily, necessarily a bad thing. Um, you know, I think – you know, we watched a team last year that was the opposite of reckless on offense, and it was it was not reckless enough. Yeah. Um, but my thing, so when I look at Armstrong, especially in this game, and I talked about this a little bit in the UConn game, but it really stood out more, is I still believe the ceiling is extraordinarily high for him. Because some of the throws that he, he made in that game, and you look at like the one to Keon Lassane down the sideline, that's an yeah. incredible throw. That's a 40-yard that's a deep ball with great elevation on it to a receiver who's not open. He dropped yeah. the ball in the one place it could go there. I mean, that guy was covered, pushed against the sideline, cornerback had inside leverage. There's one place that ball can go. But then you see him throw that same exact ball earlier in the game, and it's three yards short and it gets intercepted. Right. He's just been wildly inconsistent. And when it, when it's good, it's good. I mean, he threw some nice balls in that game, but then he threw some stinkers too. And I, it's like, I, I don't know at what point – does that you know does 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 the consistency come back for for that you know I think I think that he's a guy who can throw on the run I think he's obviously a good runner he can he has plenty of arm strength that was a criticism I think some people had at the beginning of the year but I'm not really sure where it came from he can throw the ball sixty yards in the air he's I got think that's way overblown for sure yeah, yeah and and his his I mean he's got a little bit of a funky release but like the the release speed is fantastic uh, which is you know a big deal when you're playing against you know. You know, large man zones, seven, eight man zones, and stuff like that. And you know, I, I just feel like all, it's it's the same thing with the whole offense. You know, I feel like all the pieces are there for him to be a great quarterback. All the pieces are there for us to have a good offense, uh, but they just they haven't executed. Uh, they didn't execute yeah. in this game. Yeah. I'm I'm okay with him gambling a little bit and playing on the edge and maybe throwing a couple of picks a game because before Devin Leary got hurt last year, you know, like you said, he. Uh, he was very hesitant to put the ball in any spot where there was even a potential that it could get her intercepted. And I, I think going into that season before he got hurt, it seemed like he was in his head a lot with trying to be as perfect and precise as possible. But by doing that, he was throwing the ball less and with less urgency than he needed to. And now we're getting the complete opposite of that with Brandon Armstrong. So it's kind of a, the more like gunslinger mentality, but I think that's 
generally a, a good fit for the way Robert and I wants to play. And, you know, if, if you get a few percent more better accurate throws of Aaron Armstrong and eliminate all of the drops, those two can meet in the middle with, I think, a really competent offense. Yeah, the one that really killed me, I, I don't even know if this made any type of film review or anything, but the second play um, after we got the fumble recovery, uh, the ball to Julian Gray at the pylon, he was open. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. a tight window. The safety was closing, but he was open. And it was just, it was it was outside and it was behind, and the ball ended up out of bounds. And, you know, that's a throw he can make. And, and the problem with that is also those times where he sees the, the defense rushing in and he quits on the play too early. If you watch the play progress another couple of seconds, he's already put his head down and he's starting to run as guys are getting open down the field. So, you know, if you just waited just this that little extra window of time, the play matures a little bit more, guys are creating separation, but he just wasn't there. Yeah, he's, he's got to trust the pocket a little bit more for mm-hmm. sure. I mean, that, that was, I think that was kind of the one talking point that everybody in the world of state fandom was talking about after UConn was like, this guy is, it's like a, it's one read and he's running. Yeah. Right. And he definitely improved off of that. I think UConn was definitely playing a lot more like umbrella, like a lot more off coverage than we saw from Notre Dame. Pretty man heavy look. Um, but yeah, I mean, going back to Alec, your point there, like how do we get closer to that ceiling? I mean, when you look at the room that Virginia had, and and none of those guys prior to 2021 from a receiver standpoint had proven anything. Like, I think, um, was it Keaton Thompson or somebody ended up with a thousand yard uh, season and had like four yards total in their career before that season? Like, they just exploded on the scene. I, I don't know that the skill talent is here, right? Like, we've got two true freshmen that are first and second on the team in targets against Notre Dame like I mean some of that is a function I'm sure of like you know Brennan maybe being familiar with those guys like they're new he's new so maybe there's a connection there I don't know I don't want to read into that too much but like what does that say about kind of the state of the skill room yeah right now? I, yeah no I it's great I agree with that for sure I, I I definitely don't think we have anything close to the receiver room those Virginia receivers were, were good and they were big too kind of yeah. slept on them. yeah yeah, yeah they were huge. Jelani Woods maybe Jelani Woods was a tight end that, but he was yeah. a freak yeah. he was good he, he was what seven eight I think was that <laughs> somewhere <laughs> that might be an under he was he was crazy good but that's like yeah that, that's similar to, to I guess what we kind of, I mean it's a little bit different player but what we, what we want to see from Trent Penix is someone who can play that kind yeah, of role but I would agree because um, you know, we, we, the, we saw the, that the Jelani Woods at Virginia, the Rondé Gadsden at Syracuse, and we're thinking, who's going to be our version of that? It should be Trent, <laughs> but I, I think Trent's still banged up. He He's so much trouble staying healthy. But I think the final point on Armstrong is, yeah, well, he's not going to throw 40 touchdowns this year. Uh, we just don't have the receivers for that. But for me, you know, there's plays to be had that he's that he's missed. Um, and yeah. that's and, and that goes further in on the receivers, too. you got to catch the ball, but... To me, that, that, that Julian Gray play just stuck out so much because that was right there. Yep. And if he catches that ball, it's a tie game. And then everything is different. Um, and then, you know, it all went to crap after that in you know, record time. Um, but, yeah, it's just about making – I mean, if you boil it all the way down, it's just about making the plays that are there. So here's yeah. a completely – oh, go ahead, Asad. I was just going to say, like, there's a, similar to that. There's one play right at the beginning of the fourth quarter – State was only down by one touchdown and driving. It was like second and long play, and he had Concepcion open over the middle. 
on a post route and Concepcion's open the entire time across the field. And as soon as he stops his route, then Armstrong sees him and then throws it. And by then it's too late because the corner was able to, to run in and close the gap and break up the pass. But Armstrong was just really, really late on the throw. He could have thrown it at any time. And there was space in front of KC to catch that pass and go. So those are the kind of routes that I, it, I liked design-wise from uh, an eye, the way it was drawn up. But if he just puts the pass on at the right time, it could have been huge. So shifting gears now a little bit here um, with two games in the books uh, and VMI this weekend, what do you want to see from this team going forward? Just less mistakes is the biggest thing. Um, you know, it's, it's the same thing. I mean, I'm just going to repeat myself repeatedly in, for the rest of the whole podcast. I mean, it's just less mistakes, you know. I mean, there's so many, there's obvious ones. You know, you can't drop the ball. Uh, I think that's something that is relatively easy to fix, hopefully. Um, but just less stuff like that, because I think if you look forward from here, it's like you said at the beginning, Trey, that's the best team we're going to play all year. And unless, you know some crazy stuff happens and we end up playing Florida State in a postseason game in wherever the AC Championship is, and we're not going to get that far ahead of ourselves. Um, this, that's the best team we're playing this year, by far, because Clemson's terrible, frankly. Clemson um, should not be giving up 67-yard pick sixes to Charleston Southern. They just shouldn't. So. Now, they might not be terrible when we play them, but my, but definitely, like, that's the best team we're going to play. And, uh, you know, they, they were they were toe-to-toe for a lot of the game, and I think when you look forward, you got, you know, VMI's VMI. Virginia, if you don't mess up bad, you win that game. They're terrible. Virginia um, blew an 18-point lead to James Madison. So Marshall, you should win that yeah. game. So then you're looking at, okay, if you beat Louisville, which should be a good game. They're a good team. That game's mm-hmm. here on a Friday. That should be a good game. If you can win that game, you got a really good chance to be 5-1. and one. So yeah. it's really, I mean, it is really right in front of them. Why are those games on Fridays and not Thursdays this year? I, I, just I really don't why know. That's weird, that. yeah. You don't have to wake up and go to work Friday morning, though, which is pretty sick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just – the one that one that bums me is the one on Thanksgiving weekend moving back to Saturday. But, yeah, it's tough. I, liked, I liked that on Black Friday, but maybe I'm just a sicko. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just want the game to be cleaner, kind of like what Alec is saying, and I want them to get out in and out of the game without injury because it, it sucks when – they play these no-name teams and then somebody gets hurt and it's like, you know, like Devin Leary playing Duke a few years ago and, and breaking us like like random games like that. So you just, you don't want that to happen. Um, and this would be a really good opportunity to see MJ Morris. So I'd, I'd like to see, hopefully see them get up comfortably into the second half and, and give MJ Morris some run. So uh, this might be one of his last opportunities to, to get like the Exposure. I think my word would be consistency. So on offense, they abandoned the run, I think, a little too quickly in this game. Um, so maybe a little bit more consistency from the run game against VMI and then consistency from the receivers and maybe getting open. Um, just be good to see. Make me feel a little bit better going into Virginia. And then on defense, it, I mean, there's going to be a 12-yard run, I'm sure from VMI and that's going to be annoying to watch but can you clean it up and, and consistently show that you've taken the coaching that you've seen from Notre Dame and that your fitting runs better you're communicating better effort is there like play after play after play I think that would probably you know ease a lot of the concern around 
it's EMI, but it would ease some of the concern for me around you know, the defense giving up explosives moving forward. Yeah, yeah, and I'm and I'm definitely not ready to panic. And, and it's good that that disappointing is coming at this point in the season. Like it's it seems like it's a good opportunity. So it this, the way the schedule broke out this way, and also we have to give credit to to Dave Dorn throughout his tenure. He very rarely loses back to back games, and he's generally able to get the guys minds back focused on the next game forget the, the previous one just take what they need to to improve and move on and then get uh jacked up and, and ready to start the next game and i've always been really impressed that he's been able to do that yeah i'll throw one uh relatively hot take out there on the back of that is after notre dame i'm actually higher on this team than i was before the game wow. because i am and and i'll, I I'll say that. I'll say because I really expected them to get pushed around. I know State's defensive front is one of the strongest parts of the team, uh, but I, I really thought they were going to walk into a buzzsaw. This was going to be a different level for them, and I was not confident that that offensive line was going to be able to protect. And on both sides of the ball, they did a lot better than I thought they would there, a lot better. They got pass rush, and, I, w- I mean, Brennan Armstrong, you know, the pocket for him, you know, it wasn't perfect. But it was good enough. It was good enough to win the game. I mean, that was not a major flaw for them. And then in the in the defensive backfield, you know, they were not creating separation one on one against our RDBs, and we were. Our yeah. receivers were at a not you know at a super consistent rate, but more than than we were giving up. You know, there was more opportunities to make plays. I think, for the most part, you know, from true wide receivers, for us. So the the those were things I was not expecting to see at all. And the fact that those were there, to me, is a sign that the bones for the team are better than I thought they were, uh, and, and they can compete at a higher level than I thought they were. So we have mostly talked about the negatives from Notre Dame, which is fair, because it was a very messy day in a lot of ways. Uh, a six-hour rainy slog fest where it was tough. But yeah. that's my final takeaway from the game is I actually feel pretty good about, about where they could be and better than I did from before. Yeah, I think one thing that, that I want to say is, and this may be kind of an interesting take, is is I want to see something that's early that's going to uh, get this fan base fired up. Think back to the UConn game last year, right? State fans were asking for a downfield shot, downfield pass. What do they do in the first play of the game? 75-yard touchdown pass to Thayer Thomas. Yeah. So, And it's a get-right game. So you, you have an opportunity to get right. So I want to see State go out there right away and do something to get these fans out of their seats. I know it's BMI. I know it's an FCS opponent, and a lot of people will be spending the first quarter in the parking lot. But I, I, I want to see I want to see something like that UConn game last year where they say, okay, you want it, you got it. Yeah, we should start with a 75-yard touchdown. Yeah. Can we get, can we, can we get Thayer Thomas back for this week? <laughs> if, we, if we politely ask, do you think they'll do that? He's on the Vikings practice squad. We they could, may need him this we week. We could always send an email. So. <laughs> you know, there's no reason we can't send an email. Just like a very nicely worded, very respectful, yeah. polite ask. Yeah. I should have worn my Thayer jersey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man. Well, his brother, We may. there's a chance we may even get to see him on Saturday too, right? I don't know. Yeah. yeah I mean, Dave Dorna is not – gone that deep into the QB depth chart unless he's really had to generally when he he has a blowout he puts the backup in and then they just run the ball to melt the clock so 
I'm hoping that even if NJ Morris does come in, that he'll get at least something to do. But, I mean, if, if Lex Thomas comes into the game, something bad has happened. I was about to say, I feel like something really wrong <laughs> well, hasn't folded against the Kiddos. It could just be that, or, or it could be like 70 to nothing. We don't know. No. I mean, if it's I mean, 70 to nothing, then yeah, we'll be feeling pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's another thing that's interesting to me is is you play this tough opponent, then you have an FCS opponent, and then you have a short week before you go on the road to a Virginia team that is is in transition. Let's just say that. Um, where do you think Dave, or actually, what do you think Dave Dorn's message to the team is going to be with knowing that they have a six-day week coming up after this instead of a seven-day week? I think it probably speaks more to getting the starters less playing time. He, probably, he might be thinking about that if they get up, you know, three scores, let's say, and then he might just start pulling guys uh, yeah. just, to, just to try and rest them, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's convenient scheduling, too, to have Notre Dame, FCS team, and Virginia instead of Notre Dame, and let's say we go to Duke and then go to Virginia. I think mm-hmm. we, we got lucky on that regard, having having VMI in the middle of that. But uh, ACC play, not, not, not too far away for sure. Um, I guess another thing I wanted to, to give a shout-out to maybe was, and I know that they use him in short yardage situations, but Delbert Mims becoming a regular in the running back rotation. Did, did we see that coming? No? Yeah. His, his name has been kind of bounced around for you know a while, and it, and it seemed like a lot of people had good things to say about him, but you know with him being third in line behind Jordan Houston and Michael Allen, it, it, it didn't seem like he was going to get a lot of a lot of touches as many as he has uh, but uh he's carving out a role like you said in short yardage there's like along the goal line type situations that seems like that's kind of tailor-made for him i'm ready for i don't know when it's going to come in the season but every time I, I think, i'm trying to remember what the style is i think it's like eight of the ten snaps that delbert mims played against uconn he ran the football in short yardage like sure. it is a telegraph that like he is getting the football and he is running at you i am so ready i don't know it, like at duke maybe or at home against unc like a game that means something culturally and for the acc like Bren's gonna pull that ball and take off for like a 60 yard touchdown <laughs> and it's gonna be glorious like I'm, I'm waiting for the boot action off that like th- there has to be something like that built in there but he runs hard he, he he's a big dude and he is violent like he's oh. he's fun to watch I was going to say the exact opposite. I'm waiting for Delbert to have a Reggie Gillespie at UNC type of game where he runs for 200 yards all of a sudden out of the blue. Five touchdowns and the average touchdown is two yards yeah, long. They're, they're going to happen <laughs> in the same game, actually. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we can think back to the 35-7 game when Jacoby Brissett had like a billion yards rushing and Shadrach Thornton had like a billion yards rushing in the same game. That was a great day. Yeah. But uh, I guess, you know, continuing on with some of the things that, that maybe we, we want to see going forward, um, less weather delays is, is one for sure. I, I imagine uh, having the new scoreboard go out right away wasn't something that Carter <laughs> Finley Stadium was, was planning for, especially when it makes the weather channel the next day. That's that's not coming to <laughs> Yeah, oh, what God. did everybody do during the weather delay? The I, uh, I cracked open a beer. So. <laughs> I, I actually so so I was I, I I was not in a place where there was a spectrum outage 
on ABC. So I had I had ABC, but I didn't have any of the other outlets because of the spectrum outage, which is which is over now, by the way. Um, but I, I pulled up ESPN Plus and I was watching some random FCS game and I was just sitting there enjoying it. <laughs> just it didn't matter who was playing. College football was on and I was loving it. I I had just barely beat the weather delay and was walking down to get more beer um, and some food. And like I get up to the one of the concession stands are like, oh yeah, we can't actually serve because technically we're in a state of emergency. And I was like, oh sick. So like just walking around trying to figure out who would like give me, at this point it's just like, I need something to drink. Like I just need water. Yeah. Um, and so just hung out while it, you know, torrentially downpoured for an hour and a half. And Where were you hanging out? So see West, um, West concourse near like on the South side, there's a little uh, like shop area. I was like frantically trying to find a uh, poncho. And then when I finally found one, they scored the long touchdown to go up to nothing. And I was like, you could just have this back, man. Like, I actually, I probably shouldn't take this. I've only been part of one weather delay. And I think Alec and I were at the game together. And it was that Boston College game in Dave's first season. And they, they, they had a weather delay for like an hour and a half at halftime. So they had an hour and a half halftime break. And, and that was Dave's first year. But that's the only one I've ever been a part of like that so I, I obviously was not there but it sounded like it was quite the uh quite the experience something about notre dame coming to carter finley and weather has just been an issue uh obviously the hurricane game will always live in our memory and in nc state lore but uh uh i guess every time notre dame comes it rains so, so jackson what was your experience with the fans coming back after the delay did it seem like most of them came back or it took a while to fill back in what, what how did that go like mental math for my section it felt like 65 70 percent of folks were back at least in our section and then as i scanned around it looked I, it certainly wasn't full but i was like okay this is a pretty good turnout and mm-hmm. in, in the in the second half or in the first half when we finished it after the first half time or like two half times <laughs> um I was impressed with how loud it was. Yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't think it was, it, would I've liked to see more people stay? Sure. But given what they, what we went through, I was, I was pretty impressed with, with the crowd. Yeah. I thought One the thing same that thing. interested me that I, that, that comes to me from a broadcasting side of things was with the game running long and a big game like Miami, Texas A&M following us on ABC. I was so sure we were going to get preempted to like ESPN nine or something yeah. like that. <laughs> But nope, they kept it on ABC, and Miami, Texas a and had to, had to suffer through ESPN News for two hours. So I was happy about that. <laughs> Shout out Notre Dame viewership. Um, yeah. They have. <laughs> Thank you all for showing up. Appreciate that. Real. I'm, I'm curious to hear. I, I was curious to hear from you all. Two, ga- two games in, right? Like, we, we've seen a lot. There's a lot we haven't seen. Are you all adjusting expectations given and i'm not sure what y'all season predictions were what y'all's takes were coming into the season but are y'all adjusting what you believe is possible and what will happen for yes state? i guess i'll start real fast and i'll make mine brief uh i picked state to win 10 games this year um Ooh, okay I, I think um but i think if they go eight and four i won't be upset so um yeah go ahead so I was very aggressive in my preseason predictions as well. Um, I wasn't. A, I, I didn't really buy the schedule that much. Um, 
Honestly, like I said, like I mean, my expectations changed after this game. Expectations may not be the right word for this, but my yeah. ceiling changed. It's higher after this game. It really is because there were so many things I saw that they could exploit that I didn't think they were going to be able to against a team this good. Um, you know, I, I, I had them in the preseason. I had them at 10-2. and two. I realized how aggressive and optimistic that would be. Um, you know, they can win a lot of games in the ACC this year if they can get get their stuff together and, and stop, you know, dropping passes and such. They really can. Because uh, like we said, like, that's the best team they're going to play all year. Uh, yeah, and they were nose-in-nose nose for three quarters. I mean, they... So, yeah, I think they've adjusted a little bit, but in a good direction. Yeah, I mean, I, I had them at 8-4, and four, and I felt like that was a pretty conservative uh, pick, especially given Dave Doran's history. I felt like the, the over-under of 6.5 was, you know, kind of a disrespect to everything he's done over the last 10 years. That Like, the guy just wins eight games a year. Like, that, that's just kind of, for the most part, that's that what he does. And with the schedule breaking out the way that it did, it, it seemed like that was most likely going to be the case. Um, you know, went back and forth between thinking, well, we can potentially lose to Duke for once. And so I picked a, picked a loss for Duke and a win at Clemson. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see how those shake out. But um, I'm feeling pretty good about those. And overall, I, I knew it was going to be shaky in the beginning. I think it, it's relatively in line with, with what I'm expecting. But it's it's kind of like with what Alec was saying that that you know the the gap between the ceiling and the floor is is large. I think maybe Jackson, you were saying that that it's that this is the time for for them to to trend up. So it, it could obviously go in the other direction. But um, I you know I'm I'm still feeling really confident. I I think it's actually a good opportunity to spend the last few minutes that we have talk taking that point and talking about the fan reaction after the game because it seemed like this always happens after every loss you go back to the mississippi state loss or you know any early season loss or even barely this week and by ecu last year or, or anything like that a couple of years ago losing to south carolina and charlotte you know that, that sort of thing every time there's an early season loss it's the, the world has ended and it seems like you know, people just want to win. I understand that that they're they're just looking to kind of break through this eight to nine win ceiling at, at some point. People just want to to get that ten win season and, and or make a New Year's Six bowl and kind of just break through, content, really really contend for a conference championship. And I think there's a lot of pent up frustration from not breaking through the ceiling last year. And uh, so I can understand why people are frustrated, but. Man, their online reaction was way extreme this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised y'all even had a pod this week, <laughs> given that the season was over. Like, I was just like, oh, okay, well, I, I guess we finish at one and one because there's yeah. really nothing else. Yeah. To, yeah. I, I think a lot of that has to do with what Asad just mentioned. Is is that you know, when when Tom O'Brien was here, we would have been happy going three quarters toe to toe with Notre Dame. We're like, okay, we gave it our all, we lost, but it, it happens. Yeah. Now that Dave Doran is here and he's been here for a decade plus and he's ingrained himself in this program and we are a consistent eight, nine win team. I think it does sting a little bit more. Do I think that some of the reactions were excessive a little bit, but I think that, that, you know, it, it, it does sting a little bit to, to know that you have a program that's recruiting well, that's playing well, 
that's got more branding than maybe they've ever had before in football. Mm-hmm. And and to lose a game the way we lost it, yeah, I can understand a little bit of the reaction. But I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we're winning more often than we were. So I'll say two things on that. The first is, as somebody who absolutely melted down over the Mississippi State game two years ago, <laughs> like melted down, uh, yes, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Um, I think that this was – there's a lot of context to this game that needed to be considered. And I, I also – understand people necessarily not necessarily in the moment considering that because we've all been there um, but the other point with that is I would rather have state's not any crazier as a fan base than any other football team that cares about any other fan base that cares about its football team sometimes yeah. it looks that way because of who our neighbors are um, right. you know no I mean it, but we're not you know so I would rather have that passion that leads to a little bit of a you know, out in left field screaming their head off uh, than, you know, what UNC and Duke have where, like, if they lose, you know, two games in a row, it, you know, when is late night with Roy? Um, yeah. So it, it's 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 a dark cloud with a silver lining. Wouldn't that be I'm late curious. night with Hubert now, though? Be late okay. night with Hubert now. Yeah, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, whatever, right. Dude, whatever. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, Tess. No, I'm curious to see what the reaction is. If I had to pick today, based on what I've seen from Ohio State's offense, like I would hot take probably. I would probably pick Notre Dame to go in there and win next week. Oh, 100%. Like 100%. If, if, if that happens and State goes to Virginia and wins by 14, right, 17, something like that, like do we get a bunch of apologies from people? Do we get a bunch <laughs> of like, like taps chest, raises hand, like that? A little out of pocket there. Like I, I told not, somebody, and 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 I thought this was a hot take at the time, but but it might not be the way this season is going. Notre Dame finally has a legit quarterback in Sam Hartman. Yeah, they could be a college football playoff team this year. They could be. I like yeah. that face. And, and, and they seem they seem that extra level of uh, refined above where Brian Kelly had them, you know, yes. I, I think Marcus Freeman has them in, in a better spot. They seem better coached. They seem better prepared. And he just seems like a guy that when he gets into those really tough games, he's not going to get, you know, he seems a little bit more unflappable than what Brian Kelly would, would get in, in some of those, those bigger moments. So, you know, I think the ceiling is really high for Notre Dame for sure. He's fine. We only have a, go ahead, Al. He's fine. He's the 23rd oh. best quarterback in the country. He's fine. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, well, we got a few minutes here before we got to wrap up. We got one last question. He's a good yeah. quarterback, man. Come on, I gotta go. I, gotta go. Uh, I mean, and I feel like I feel like we need more time for this because this is going to be a big debate. But the the random question of the day is: What is the single best fast food item ever? Hmm. Bojangles Cajun Filet Biscuit. End of story. Well, that was a hot debate, Trey. <laughs> <laughs> And on next time, we will be discussing. Well, no, seriously, what are, your, what are your answers there? <laughs> hmm. I mean, I'm. A, I usually I'm gonna do, I'm gonna think about like uh, sweets more than anything. I mean, I I, I I do love a good Oreo McFlurry. Um, yeah. I don't know. Has anybody ever had thought. <laughs> the uh, the mac and cheese bites from Sheets? Oh man. That's, that's, that's good a dub. <laughs> that's number one for me. That's yeah. that's a dub. Sheets is, is criminally underrated. It I is. It really is. 
the the version we have here in New Jersey is uh, Wawa. We all Wawa and Quick Check are basically yeah. sheets adjacent, and we've got, uh, we've got Quick Trip K W I K. Yeah, it's the same thing. They're building a Wawa like 0.7 miles from my house, and it's going to be like danger zone for me because they they have like <laughs> basically everything that Sheets has, and it's like on my way home from work, so it's going to be it's going to be tough for me. And, and they're building a Taco Bell like within a mile from there, so. Like it's it's gonna be a wrap. Oh, the crunch yeah, wrap. Yeah, Alec and I, parents' hometown, our hometown of Apex is getting a cookout, so that's gonna be a a, a tough one for us when we're home. <laughs> but <laughs> hey, I was gonna cheat and say a cookout tray because that means I get like seven answers instead <laughs> of just one. Um, yeah, it, pretty much anything from cookout it is gonna trump anything that I could think of in, in my head, honestly. Yeah, their hush well, puppies are. Or slept on for sure. Yeah. Oh, they are, yeah. Well, we unfortunately have to wrap this up. Jackson, thanks so much for, for joining us. Good luck with everything with On the Prowl. Congratulations on a successful launch, and we'll be uh, eager and excited to follow your journey as well. Um, obviously, State plays VMI this week, uh, and uh, we'll hopefully have some good results to talk about there ahead of a Friday night light state with the Virginia Cavaliers. Thanks again, Jackson, so much for joining us. Appreciate y'all having me. Awesome. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's edition of the Lockcast. Be sure to go to trinityroadtimes.com. What's your website, Jackson, so people can go visit you? So you can check things out at ontheprowl.com or wolfpackprowl.com. Both of them will work. Um, you can sign up for the newsletter there, and you'll get it twice a week. Excellent. Well, thanks so much, everybody. Have a great week. Thanks. I'll be sure to bring more energy next time so I don't disappoint Peyton Wilson. <laughs>